Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you sent into this world your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to be an example for us of suffering and the mindset in which we are to have that glorifies you. Help us to put on the mindset of Christ that we may glorify you in all we do. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be only acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Now, you may be wondering why I'm not wearing all of my vestments this morning. And perhaps you thought, well, maybe he forgot, which, believe it or not, would not be the worst guess ever made because I have forgotten various parts of vestments on more than one occasion in my ministry. But I didn't forget. But the vestments which we wear in serving the Lord at his altar and table act as a really great example or, or illustration for what we're going to talk about this morning, which is putting on the mindset of Christ. Now, if you've never paused and thought about it or never really looked or thought seriously about why we wear the vestments that we do, hopefully this will be a little bit helpful for you. The black, which is kind of the, the standard staple piece of the clergy vestment reminds us that we are dead in our sins, that we have no life in us outside of Christ. And then when we come in to serve at the table or at the altar, we take the surplus. Don't, don't search for surplus like you have extra, but it's spelled surplice, just so you know, um, in case you're bored and Google such things. I don't know why you would. <coughs> but then we put the surplus on over the black as a reminder that we put on Christ. Put on Christ not only to serve the Lord, but in each and everything that we do. And so we put on that surplus as a reminder to ourselves and to each and every one of you of our calling to put on Christ. There we go. I think that's semi, as tidy as I always am, anyway. <laughs> And then we put on the stole, which is a reminder that we're bound or yoked to Christ. There are other ways of vesting, but for today, that's your little mini liturgical lesson. But it also stands as that sort of vivid reminder so that when you come to church and you see me vested in completion, not only am I reminded, but each and every one of us are reminded of our calling to put on Christ, to have our minds renewed, that we would be renewed, that we would have the mind of Christ. And that's what St. Paul or St. Peter calls us to this morning. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. Arm yourselves, put into your mind that same way of thinking which Christ had. He says an interesting thing where he says, arm yourselves. And I want to talk about for that just a moment before we jump into this. Earlier in, in St. Peter, we were told to be ready to explain why we were hopeful people. And that's apologetics. But in this case, we're not being told to be ready to defend the gospel. We're not being told to be ready to defend our belief in Christ. 
But in this case, it's, a, it's an arming so that we're protected. So we're protected against the assaults of the world and of the devil. But what does this look like? And I think St. Peter spells out three things at least, which is the mindset of Christ, Christ's way of thinking. Sanctification through suffering. Living for the will of God and being satisfied in his glory. Um, I assume most of you saw those very long movies on the Lord of the Rings, or the Lord of the Rings movies, which were excellent. Although I'm sure the books I most would agree are better, but they do something really interesting in the cinematography of the Lord of the Rings. And if you remember the first movie where Gandalf goes over, and if you don't know who this is, he's a wizard, and he's really good and amazing. He goes to his friend Bilbo, and he's like, Bilbo, you're giving all your stuff to your grandson. What about this ring that you have? Because Gandalf kind of knows what's going on with the ring. And, and Bilbo knows there's something sort of interesting with the ring, but you know he just kind of uses it to disappear. None of this makes sense. Sorry. <laughs> but the important thing is, is he has this ring that he really likes, that he said he's going to give to his grandson. But then all of a sudden, the cinematography does something really interesting where his face darkens. Do you remember that scene? And he's like, no, I'm not going to give it up. The reason I'm talking about that is because that's how we often are with our idols. Whether one's been revealed to yourselves, you probably recognize that within yourself that you kind of, you're like, no. Why would I ever give up that thing? This thing is so precious to me. Or if you've ever had that conversation with a friend where you're like, hey, you know, that, that thing you're struggling with, you might be struggling with like an idol in your heart and you might want to let it go. And they're like, why would you say that to me? And you're like, whoa, I, you know, I wasn't, didn't, okay. We tend to let idols rule over us. But suffering has a special thing within it, whether it's brought on by the fact that we've all of a sudden been leaning into this idol or because of outside pressures, which is really what St. Peter is talking about today, where all of a sudden we realize these idols that we have, whether it be a car, or our finances, our house, our family, all these things, things that could be, in fact, very good, have kind of started to rule over us. But suffering starts to point that out because we realize these things cannot alleviate that suffering that only God can alleviate. Only God can alleviate our suffering. And so that reveals our idols and reveals our need to just trust in him. And that's how sanctification in suffering works. Sanctification reveals those things which we cling to, our sins, and lets us let go of them. <clears throat> but then St. Peter goes further and reminds us that we're called to live for the will of God. I want to start out with a sort of a negative statement of what living for the will of God isn't. So often you talk to people and they're like, I want to know what God's will for my life is. And they don't mean what we're about to talk about. What they mean is, well, doesn't God have some sort of special task for me to do? Like, shouldn't I go be a missionary overseas or start a mission here? Or, you know, maybe I should change jobs. And it's really good to pray through these things. I'm not saying don't pray through them. 
But there's a much simpler way to live in the will of God. And, and all the rest of that stuff will just kind of line itself up once we start actually living for the will of God the way that St. Peter talks about in here. First, he says, forsake worldly passions. He talks about this. He says, for the time has passed that it suffices for doing what the Gentiles do, want to do, living sensual passions, drunkenness, orgy, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to these, they are surprised when you do not join them. St. Peter calls us away from these worldly passions, whatever they may be, whether they be that idol of the heart or the more flagrant worldly passions of going out and having wild, drunken parties. He says, no, no, you're no longer to live in that way. You're no longer to live in that way, and in a moment, he'll give us the alternative way of living. <clears throat> but he warns us. He says, when you forsake them, they will malign you. I remember a while back, and I don't know why all my illustrations in this sermon are from TV, except for this. But I remember a while back, I was watching a cartoon, and they were, they were seeing different timelines. And they got to this timeline, and it was really nice, and they're flying cars, and everything was amazing. And, and the, the person that was giving the tours asked, like, well, why does this timeline have all these things? And they're like, well, that's because there was no Christianity. There's a lot of problems with that, but it stands as a really good example of the world maligning Christians. It ignores, of course, the fact that Christians are built most of the early hospitals, built the early universities, among many, many other positive things which Christianity has done for the world, which secularism never even thought to do. But the point of it is really that when we don't live as the world, when we avoid living as the world, they will find reasons to kind of point at that and go, well, that's weird or worse. <clears throat> but St. Peter goes on and talks about how, Christ, how the gospel is preached even to those who are dead. Remember the vestment illustration? That outside of Christ, we are dead. So the gospel is preached even to those who delight in those sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, etc., etc., etc. The gospel is preached to all who will hear it, and the gospel is open to all who will hear it. And so there's kind of a couple points here. First of all, if as you're looking at this, you're like, oh, I kind of have these idols, wonder if I'm doing all right. The gospel is for you. That Christ has died, Christ is risen. That in Christ's death, you can put your sins to death. And in his resurrection, you have new life. But also, it's a reminder to those of us who are in the gospel, who are in the covenant. Don't harden your hearts to those that hate you because you love Christ. Don't harden your hearts to those who hate Christ, but love them, pray them, and remember that the gospel is preached to anyone who will hear it. And finally, St. Peter reminds us in here that God is just. So you may see the world and not like it. You may see things said or done that hurt. 
You may see things said about our faith, about our church, that we don't like. But persevere. Pray for those who say it. And remember, regardless, God is just. But then the positive. What does Christ, what is St. Peter calling us to? What is Christ calling us to? And you would think that the opposite would be like, go do good things. But that's not what St. Peter says. He does give us a list, which is really beautiful, and we'll look at it in just a moment. But instead, he says the end of all things is at hand. One of the questions I like to ask people, whether usually in catechism class, is, you know, are we living in the end times? And, and to a T, everybody's like, no, no, of course not. Or maybe, maybe, I think is usually the more orthodox answer. And because we're used to, like, turning on the news and being like, oh, look, there's another kind of wacky Christian who says the world's going to end on March 22nd at 6 p.m. Good luck. (laughs) And then the world doesn't end on March 22nd at 6 p.m., and everybody thinks, well, that person was ridiculous. But both the 6 p.m. person and, and when we say maybe, misses something. We are living in the end times, but not in the way that the good sir who thinks that the world's ending on March 22nd at 6 p.m. thinks. We're living in the end times because we're in the final covenant awaiting for the return of Christ. Let me say that again, just in case you didn't catch it. We're living in the new covenant waiting for the return of Christ. It's the final covenant until Christ comes back and makes all things right. And so, yes, in a very real way, we are living in the end times. And so we are, as St. Peter calls us, to be prepared for the end of all things are at hand. And then he gives us our list. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, speaks as one who speaks as oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Our lives are to be saturated with Christ. We are to be self-controlled, no longer given to our passions, sober-minded, no longer letting our minds rule all we do, but letting Christ rule our mind, that in our prayers we would glorify him. Keep loving one another. When you love someone and they do something ridiculous or painful or hurtful or hard to deal with, it's all the easier to forgive them. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality can be hard, especially when you have a perchant of leaving your socks around on the floor and being embarrassed when somebody sees a sock sticking out from under your couch. Not that I'm speaking from personal experience. But hospitality calls us to give ourselves to others. Hospitality can be hard, but it is good. It is a way of showing a deep love 
to your brothers and sisters in Christ and your neighbors who may not yet know Christ. As each one has received a gift, each of us have been given gifts. We have talents. Share those with one another as they've been given to you by God. If you speak, speak by God's grace. If you serve, serve because you know that it is God that has given you that strength to serve. All of this ties back actually to the Lord's Prayer. And that part that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When we're self-controlled, sober-minded, when we let sin cover the multitude of sins, when we let love cover the multitude of sins, when we use our gifts to God's glory and show hospitality, this is the will of God in our lives. This is the ushering in of the kingdom. Let us live as such. Finally, be satisfied in, Christ, in God's glory, as Christ is satisfied in his glory. In order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As we think about Christ's life, every moment pointed to God the Father. Every moment was a desire to glorify God with what he did. He was satisfied in God's glory. He knew what would befall him. He had given up his place in the heavenly court that he might come and redeem you and I. And in that, he pointed to God's glory by his grace and goodness May we live in such a way that our lives point to the glory of God. May we live in such a way that we are satisfied in glorifying God. My dear friends, this morning St. Peter invites us to put upon ourselves the mind of Christ. By his grace and his Holy Spirit, will you accept that invitation? Will you remember in suffering that it sanctifies you? Remember to avoid the worldly and delight in his goodness, showing hospitality and love. Will you be satisfied in God's glory? Will you put on the mind of Christ? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive.